I'm Stuart Devine, and welcome to It's Not All Bad. This is going to be one fantastic episode today, listeners from here and around the world. Today, as my co-host, I have Ken Chavez. Believe me, Ken Chavez and I, we have traveled the world, been assigned to some interesting countries, and it's really wild. Ken, welcome as a co-host on the show today. Thank you, Stu. It's a pleasure to be here. It's important to this, our conversation and uh, having some fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember mentioning in the introductory uh, trailer to this podcast that some shows, of course, may deal with mild politics. Others are going to deal with personal issues, uh, some work issues, interpersonal skills, but also there's going to be humor. And this one is going to all going to be about a little bit of good humor. So I hope our listeners will laugh right along with you and me. So today, everybody, what is the topic that's going to hopefully cause you to laugh? Things that surprises people about America, mainly when foreigners visit America, what are some of the things that make them laugh? So, hey, let's sort of get into this, Ken, because I can see you right now. You're already cracking me up and going on here. You want me to take the first one, Ken? Sure. Go ahead, Stu. Okay. Well, here is something that people find interesting that foreigners think. Americans say thank you to almost everything that goes on when you're going to places all the time. It's really odd. And uh, I don't know, Ken, did you also find that interesting too when you were overseas? That Yeah, and actually this makes me think of something also related, and that's general politeness. I think general politeness, especially as someone from Texas like myself, where when you're walking around, you say please and thank you and you greet everybody that you pass. Um, it's not like that everywhere. So I do think that's something that surprises people when they come here. And I often find myself when I have served in other in other countries, you know, walking around a mall or walking around a street, you know, people might think I'm a little strange because I making eye contact and saying hello to strangers. But that's not necessarily the norm in a lot of places. Well, that's a good point. Why don't you take the next one, Ken? What do you have up on the list? All right, Stu. So here's another one that I think um, surprises surprises people, and that's uh, sometimes you know the the public restrooms in the U.S you know, they, they aren't floor to ceiling. Uh, and that can be a little surprising. You know, there are other places in the world where they have sort of locks on, on the doors and public restrooms, or you have to pay for the public restrooms. And sometimes, you know, here at a shopping mall at or a store, um, there might be gaps in the top, you know, that are from the, from the top of the door to the ceiling or from the bottom of the door to the floor or sometimes you know gaps between the between the doors and i know for someone coming from an, another part of the world that might also be a little bit surprising or, or, or shocking you know and, and it could be um you know that you could concern them about their privacy or something but for us it's something that we don't really think twice about uh i don't know have you noticed that in some of the places that you've served I tell you, there's some kind of comfort feeling you get when you when you're in a culture and you go to the restroom and you're going, oh, my goodness, I have privacy in this stall. And you're just you feel like you're ready to just put a sheet on yourself and like total relaxation. And then, of course, well, yeah. you may come to the States, you go to the airport and you got all these gaps in here and you're trying to make sure no one sees you. So well, let me see now. What do we have on the next one? up? Oh, Ken. Listen, what happens when foreigners come into America and they stop by, let's say, a fast food place and say, by the way, I'd like to have a small soda. And what do they normally get, Ken? <laughs> well, sometimes small can start at, you know, 12 or 16 ounces. 
Um, so that's all, that's definitely all relative. And, uh, yeah. So sometimes the sizes of, uh, of beverages and other things can be a bit, a bit surprising to folks because there's not relative or consistent everywhere, uh, everywhere in the world. I don't know. I find it sort of really interesting. I remember when, um, I came back, uh, from a long overseas assignment last year and, and I wasn't really thinking about it. And I said, I'm going to stop by this fast food outlet here and I'm driving through. And I said, Hey, listen, can I get a small XYZ soda? And you know, I'm waiting in the car, listening to my tunes, uh, stuff like that. And then the person comes out and I said to him, I'm sorry, ma'am, I actually wanted a size small. This looks like it's a super large. He goes, oh, sir, that is small. And I was like, wow, I have arrived. I'm alive. I can get all this <laughs> soda here. And uh, it's really an interesting uh, turn of events. So what do you got on the next one, Ken? Uh, let's see. Oh, this is one, and I'm a huge convert on this one, uh, that we wear shoes inside the house. Uh, it's something that I never, ever thought about until I'd actually lived abroad but you know there are certain places i've lived in asia and there are countries where you know you go to someone's house you take your shoes off before you walk in uh so even though that's not something i grew up doing it's definitely something that i that i've, I've picked up it's a habit i've picked up where now you know when i come home that's the first thing i do is take my shoes off and it's you know it's a lot easier to keep the house clean if i'm not tracking you know dirt or mud inside the house uh so i'm a i'm a big believer in this i'm a big believer in uh uh, you know, the last, I guess, 10 years or so taking my shoes off whenever I walk in, walk in the house. How about you, Stu? Do you have that same rule in, in, in your household? You know, in my household, uh, absolutely. It's called, you will take those shoes off when you come in. And it's really sort of a strange feeling because like you, when I grew up and maybe like many Americans, I didn't take my shoes off when I went in the house, unless in fact, I was going to literally be there for a while or something. Maybe it's the evening getting ready to go, but I didn't take my shoes off, off especially if I knew I was going right back outside. Actually, now I'm very comfortable with that. And by the way, Ken, do you ask visitors to your house to take off their shoes? Um, it just depends. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It just kind of depends on the on the situation. I'm not I'm not super consistent about it. Um, usually, with you know family and friends, uh, I probably or friends who know me, you know, will know that I do that anyway, so that you know they might naturally do it. But um, I'm probably not as consistent as as I should. It's certainly something that I do, of course. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, for me, I don't mind taking my shoes off when I go to someone's home. Now, more often than not, they will say, what are you doing to do? I, I'm just going to take off my shoes. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. And then I'll follow the lead uh, of whatever they prefer. Yeah. But yeah, I still prefer yeah. to take my shoes off and even another person's yeah. house yeah. out of respect for their home. Yeah. Well, here's the next one up mm -hmm. here. You know, in the U.S., we all know there are a lot of commercials. That's nothing unique to the United States. Most countries have commercials. But in many of the countries I've traveled to and actually lived in, I've never seen so many commercials for lawyers and prescription medications. So that is really odd. As a matter of fact, in a couple of the European countries that I've traveled to and actually been assigned to, it is actually prohibited to advertise yeah. prescription medications. So whereas in America, of That's course, we see all kinds. You know, I've never noticed that. I mean, I, I never noticed that that difference. And I wonder if if if, if uh, you're right that that's something that might be prohibited in other places that we don't really uh, 
Well, that's a good one because I re I realized in um, in one European country I was assigned to, uh, I was mentioning to the person that I saw on television this prescription XYZ medication, but it was back in the states, and he was saying, "Yeah, but I don't understand." That was back in the states. Uh, what what are you saying? Yeah. And I said, "Well, maybe is this a particular medication that would be good?" Literally, the individual, the physician, was looking at me like almost. Are you trying to tell me to advise you on what medication that you think you should <laughs> possibly consider based on the television commercial? I mean, he yeah. really gave me this look, but it didn't dawn on me that it is true. And then we started talking about it. He says, no, you cannot advertise prescription medications on um, on television. It's a, it's a very interesting culture about that. Mm -hmm. Now, going on to the next one, what have you got up next there, Ken? All right, this is one that throws me off all the time and uh, measuring temperature in Fahrenheit versus Celsius. I still can't remember, I still can't do the conversion by memory. I have to like pull out my phone and look it up sometimes. So, so yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna surprise folks when they come to the US um, making that conversion to Fahrenheit. For example, Stu, here's a question for you. Can you tell me off the top of your head, um, what would a fever be in Celsius? Oh, uh, right off the top of my head, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I can tell yeah. you that I have ten fingers and ten toes, but as far as that, yeah. what it would be in Celsius, I'm lost, dude. Yeah, no, you see, me, me too. I forget, you know, because I think generally we say, well, 101 is a in Fahrenheit is a, is a is a is a temperature or a fever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I could, off the top of my head, without doing math, I couldn't tell you what that is in Celsius. So, you know, I still have to think about it, even though I've lived in several places where you know they do thing based on they do. Uh, their temperature based on Celsius. I still can't quite remember, you know, the the conversions. Oh my goodness! And I I still you know sort of shudder at the thought when people say, "Oh, it's in Celsius," and I got to think in my mind, what does that mean? Do I have fever? Is it burning up outside? You know, and or yeah. if a person says, "Oh, uh, Stuart, I heard that it's around forty two degrees in say uh, the Western United States," and I go forty two degrees, that would be cold, and they go. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. No, Fahrenheit. And then the Europeans are trying to figure yeah. out what that is in Fahrenheit. And then I go, it's okay. It's okay, dude. I think I got your message on that. Mm -hmm. So now here's mm -hmm. another one. Now, mm -hmm. this really surprises people. Currency. Now, in some cultures, yeah. the currency is in multiple sizes, right, Ken? Yeah, yeah. multiple sizes and colors. And I'm actually thinking of... Um, I, you know, I, I still have some bills, uh, from places that I've, that I've been to. And I think every single one of them, we're talking different sizes, different, you know, dimensions and different colors. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of someone else that has, like we do uniform sizes and color and all of our currency. And I can't, I can't think of one of, of all the places that I've been to. How about you? Oh, I agree with you 100%. As a matter of fact, you know, men, we love carrying around our wallets and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah. sort of strange when you have these different size bills and I get confused because my mind literally has to think, okay, that bill means 10 XYZ or that bill means uh, maybe it's a uh, hundred, uh, whatever that currency is. Whereas in the US, okay, they're all the same. You just have to look at the number. But in some of these countries, the truth is, it's a little confusing for us. But for Europeans that come here, they're like, what? You mean to tell me it's just all one size and basically two colors in different shades? Some of them find it rather odd, I would think. Yeah. So, well, what do you got up next there, Ken? Yeah. 
you got to be you got to be careful you got to be careful with the uh, with the money um Okay, so next up, and I think this is, you know, it's not unique to us here. I think this is a statement just about sort of the human condition in, in, in general um, and human psychology, but it's our, it's our, it's our accents. So the way that we as, as people, as individuals, we don't hear, regardless of where, you are, where you're from, you don't hear your own accent. And it's interesting because, um, you know, as you know, Stu, I grew up on the on the U.S.-Mexico border um, and didn't really know that uh, I had an accent or that anyone in my family had an accent until I moved away and I went to I left home and went to college. And then you come back and you talk to, you know, talk to mom and dad or the family. And then you realize like, oh, yeah, no, I, now you notice the difference. But when you grew up in the same place and, you know, I didn't travel much as a kid. So I spent most of my, my early years in the same place. And it was only after I left home and came back that I could hear, oh, yeah, you know, there is a little different, you know, from even within, you know, my, my home state of Texas, one part of Texas to another, you know, there's a variety of different accents based on where you're from. And so definitely, you know, coming from another country, um, I could see how someone who travels to different parts of the U.S. could hear so many, I mean, just such a diverse uh, spectrum uh, of accents, even within same sort of general regions of the country. Oh, that's that's a very good point. Uh, it is true. Uh, it's like when we Americans say we will go to a, a foreign country, wherever it may be, and we may say, you have an interesting, they're speaking in that country, you know, we go, you have an interesting accent. It would be like you and uh, I were going to uh, Ireland, as an example, and we go to an Irish pub and go, oh, yeah. wow, the bartender, you have an interesting accent. And the bartender is going to look at you and me and go, are you guys nuts? You're in my country. You've got the accent. And we all just start <laughs> laughing about that because it's true. Sometimes, you know, you can come from a country and think, well, everybody's going to sound like you if, they're, if their native language is the same. But the yeah. truth is, when they come here, um, they may have to be the ones with the accents. And when we go to another country and it's the same language, we're the ones with the accent. It is an absolute great phenomenon. Okay, here's another one right here. And this is not such a big deal, Ken, but what about writing dates? Now, we know in America, it is oh, yeah. a month, day, and a year. Okay, whereas in Europe especially, what is it, Ken? Day, month, and year. And there are many places around the world that do that. And so um, it is something that I still to this day have to think about and make a conscious effort to, you know, be aware of when I'm somewhere else or when I'm engaging with someone from another country, just to make sure we're, you know, we're, we're speaking the same language when it comes to dates. And, you know, when we say, when we write down a date on something that we're doing it in a way that, you know, someone else would understand or making it clear. Uh, one workaround is to actually, instead of writing, you know, the date and, or the month in numbers as we do like one, two, three, four, um, writing it out in letters. So it's absolutely clear uh, when you're in a foreign environment uh, or talking to someone who's visiting your country, you know, specifically say June or July rather than zero six, you know, on a written product. Well, you're absolutely right, because if you don't write that down, it can really be confusing. If you get the date wrong, you're thinking by saying uh, 10 to uh, 2021, you're thinking October 2nd. Uh, that's not what the other yeah. person is thinking. If you're, say, in Europe or you're in Asia somewhere, it can really get confusing. And all of a sudden, you've missed an appointment. Might look a little bit like an idiot to mm -hmm. a certain degree. So, yeah, we're going to have to be careful about that stuff. <laughs> Ken, what's this next thing you got up here? 
All right, what we call the courses in a meal. So for example, I did not know this, but um, calling a main course uh, an entree, um, which you know, to us here, you know, we, we call the, you know, the first thing you get at a restaurant an appetizer, and then we say the main course is an entree. But um, in other places, that's, that's not necessarily the same. Uh, and so uh, we do have to be careful. That could be something that would be surprising to someone coming here and visiting, you know, because they might be looking for something else. Um, so, Stu, what would you call in some of the places you've been, if, if the entree is actually an appetizer, what would be the proper term? Uh, for a the main course, or is it just the main course? It's just the main course because I don't want to confuse it in a particular uh, culture. So normally the menus yeah. will say, thank goodness, it will say main course. But I've been to countries literally where we would consider the appetizer. It doesn't say appetizer. It will say entree. And I know you and I are not saying the, the correct pronunciation, but it will say entree, and at least yeah. I understand what's going on. Here's a good one right here, Ken. Here's the next one. Big glasses of water with ice at restaurants. Foreigners come to America, and they're from a culture where, well, one, you probably may not get water as a standard. And if you do, it may not be with ice. And if you ask for ice, they may look at you like, why are you asking for ice? That's not what we do. So when they come here and you go to a restaurant yeah. and they've got this 12 ounce glass, maybe even 16, depending on what restaurant you go to. And sometimes it's filled with ice and they didn't even ask the person, do you even want ice? And so some foreigners, they find this very interesting that you're offering people water like that. Well, the other thing that's kind of funny about that is specifically in the wintertime, uh, you know, I think about this sometimes, is why am I drinking a big glass of ice water when it's, you know, below freezing outside? But it's, you know, it's something we do. It'd be an interesting, that would be an interesting question to trace that back where this, this, this habit or this custom started uh, that, you know, you go to a restaurant and you get a nice big glass of ice water. I'm sure there's a reason for that originally. Um, I don't know what it is, but it is something I think about from time to time. Like it's freezing outside. Why am I eating? Why am I drinking this big glass of ice water? <laughs> That's true. It's freezing. I don't know if it's freezing in Fahrenheit or Celsius, but it's still cold, right? Is that, I guess that's the message. So what's next up on the list, Ken? Or, or why am I drinking hot coffee when it's 100 degrees outside, which is what I was doing this, this morning, you know? But these are these are things that these are things that we do. Um, okay, so let's see. Well, we kind of talked about this earlier, but uh, one of the things on the list was just our our sort of bottomless uh, uh, cups or glasses for for sodas. Um, so you go to a movie theater, you go to a restaurant, you get a nice big glass, and it includes unlimited uh, unlimited refills. Which that is something that I have never encountered anywhere else. Um, and I, you know, I haven't been to every place in the world, but I've been to, you know, quite a few places and usually you go to a restaurant and you ask for a, if I were to ask for a soda, uh, they'd bring you a can or a bottle. And if you wanted more, you'd ask for another and they'd bring you another can or a bottle, um, and charge you for it. But the, 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 the free refills, free refills is something that I think we invented and we might, I don't know if we're the only ones who do it, but I, I, I feel like we, we actually might be. 
Yeah, good point, because I don't recall any country that I've traveled to and been assigned to. Now, like you said, you and I haven't traveled into every single country and eaten at every restaurant. Yeah. This is true. But so far, I've not been to a place literally where you're going to get bottomless soda. Uh, or bottomless yeah. anything. Water is one thing, and heaven forbid if you ask for a refill in some cultures, because uh, they'll give you a look like, "Hey, listen, you're lucky to even get that free water we just offered to you." You know, so it's it's mm -hmm. an interesting mm -hmm. thing. Now, here is a phenomenon that I think people are really surprised. I was assigned to one uh, particular place in one country, and the person, um, this was a local foreigner that had traveled to the states. And, you know, a situation that occurred with one of the colleagues because that person was here for training. And he said, oh, my goodness, the guy that actually when the ambulance came to pick him up, well, later on, they were talking to him, you know, a few days when he was come, came back to work and they were saying, and then the guy said, I can't believe the bill I got. And the particular mm -hmm. uh, foreigner that was in training from this country was totally shocked. And the person was telling me about that. And he mm -hmm. says, Stuart they charge for ambulances? And I said, well, yeah, they they do. This is something that's relatively normal in America, as well as if you go to a physician yeah. or you go to a hospital, you may get three or four bills, bill for the hospital, bill for the, yeah. the emergency physician, and possibly even another bill for the anesthesiologist. And um, the individual was saying from this European country said, oh, that's just not going to happen. And, um, and then we talked about taxes. And he goes, I don't like my high taxes. But he did mention the fact that, well, the high taxes actually take care of a lot of those uh, pesky bills. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, everywhere, everywhere we've gone, you know, every place I've been has its own unique uh, healthcare systems and practices. And so, yeah, it's definitely something that when we travel, we need to make sure that we do our research and understand what th how things are like, where we're going. And also, you know, people coming here would want to do the similar research to understand how that works. Because I don't think, you know, like we said earlier, we've, we've traveled to a lot of places and I don't think I've been to two places that have the exact same way of doing things when it comes to healthcare and, and what's free and what's paid for and what you pay for up front and all that. It seems to vary everywhere. Um, okay. So on the, on the topic of healthcare, and this is something that I've been, I'm guilty of, and that's, we sometimes just avoid, uh, going and getting things checked out, um, either because, uh, you know, we're worried about the cost or, or we just might, you know, in my case, sometimes I'm just lazy and I think, oh, it'll go away. Um, or, it's, or you just <laughs> would rather not know. Um, that's, that is something, I'm sure that's something that might happen everywhere. Um, but it is something that I can say I've, I've been guilty of before is, you know, you've got a little ailment, you're feeling a little sick. Um, you know, I think maybe that's changed now a little bit with COVID where people might be more inclined to go get something checked out, go get tested. Um, but yeah, there have definitely been times in the, in the past where I've kind of avoid going to get checked up because I think, oh, it's just going to go away or I didn't you know, want to deal with the hassle. Um, how about you? Yeah. What do you think about that one, Stu? Oh, yeah, you're, you're totally correct. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned about rising health care costs uh, in America and in, in many other countries as well. Uh, but then again, you have some countries, of course, where because it is more of a socialized medicine, I didn't say socialism, but it's more of a socialized medical system where it is true, they can go in there and not uh, expect to get socked with an incredibly large bill. 
So yeah, that's a very good point. And I think it, it sort of shocks some of them that when you say, by the way, I'm not gonna really go to the hospital for that, or I'm not gonna go to the doctor for that, or I'm not gonna go to the clinic. And they ask you, oh man, hey, come on, that's okay to go, nah, it's gonna be expensive. And they do give you looks of, wow, that's really interesting. So let's see what we have here. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken, this is something that I think our listeners could get into. When you're looking at an advertisement for prescription medications, naming the side effects of the mm -hmm. medication. It's like, okay, you. I know when foreigners yeah. come here, they look there and they say, here's this medication for like, I don't know, to regrow your hair or something. And then they say, oh, by the way, uh, the side effects of regrowing your hair is that you're gonna also have another thumb that's gonna grow, okay? Yeah. Or your hair, your ear hair is just gonna start yeah. going like a, a wolf man. And people are like, what? You mean to tell me you're advertising, but then you're gonna tell me all these side effects? And some of them go, this is amazing that people are still taking these medications. So they say, well, on the other hand, it's a sort of a good idea that we talk about side effects of prescription medications, right, right. Ken? I mean, I don't know. Well, I th yeah, I think that's some, that goes back to our earlier comment about, um, you know, just our, our system and our legal system. Uh, and I'm sure there's a reason why they have to say the side effects. Um, I do think it's kind of funny when you listen to a commercial and, you know, they'll just have someone who's like a speed reader at the end of the commercial go through and list all the, you know, all the side effects and watch out for this and talk to your doctor about that. Um, it can be almost comical sometimes, as the, the speed at which they'll read those to make it all fit into like a 30 second or 45 second spot. Uh, you're you're so correct about that. I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, well, what's it next? What's uh, what's next on the list there, dude? Well, so similar, you know, similarly, uh, and again, this is something that you know, and it just has to do with how we do advertising here. Um, but you'll have ads for prescription drugs that might encourage people to, um, you know, at the end of the advertisement, it says, "Oh, go talk to your doctor about this for the thing that's being advertised." Um, and again, coming from a coming from a place where you don't have advertisements for prescriptions or medications, um, that could also seem seem odd or, or counterintuitive. Hey, but you know, the other good thing that's next up on our list that um, many foreigners do find absolutely pleasant uh, about America is that when it comes down to people with disabilities, especially people in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. there are special accommodations in buildings and uh, signs and even the parking spaces. Because in many of cultures, I, I realize there could be some economic issues associated with trying to build those kinds of uh, facilities for people with disabilities. But many foreigners find it very pleasant that, yes, you do have these ramps or you do have this or you do have uh, signs that you can actually increase the size of the letters so that people can read it. And that's just a positive thing among many that people find about the nation. What do you think, though, Ken, in places you visit? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's definitely something that, you know, the fact that our, 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 our government buildings all have to be built to a certain standard to accommodate uh, people with disabilities. I mean, I think that's definitely that's definitely a positive about a, a very positive impression of the U.S. that a, that a visitor would have. Um, that we do try to be accommodating and that we do we do have laws in place, you know, both state and federal that, you know, make it so that people with disabilities can access um, all kinds of services and facilities. Uh, that's definitely something that you don't see everywhere. And it's definitely a positive. 
Uh, indeed, I find that very, um, very encouraging. Uh, I notice in some of the countries that I've traveled to that it's not a surprise. I don't say this as a surprise, but I also see some sometimes similar kinds of facilities for people with disabilities. And it's just nice to see this whole philosophy of trying to help people that are challenged physically to try to help them be mobile. So this is a, a wonderful yeah. thing. So. Wow. So, mm -hmm. hey, so what's next on this list, though, Kenneth? All right. So this is an interesting one. I haven't had a I even had a debate with someone about this the other day. Making your coffee or tea in a microwave versus uh, using a kettle. You know, I think I've had a microwave. I think my parents got our first microwave back in the 80s. You know, maybe it was in the early 80s. And so the idea of you need to boil water quickly or heat up your coffee or make a cup of tea, um, filling, filling a cup up with water and putting it in the microwave seems like a perfectly uh, normal thing for me. It's another option. We did have a kettle in the house, but, you know, someone like me who might be in a rush or a little lazy, um, it might be easier just to pop a cup of water in the microwave for a, for a minute and not think yeah, twice about it. But that. I know that for some people... Yeah, yeah, you know I'm lazy, Stu. Um, but I, you know, I could see someone coming from another culture and thinking that's that's odd because I know kettles are a lot more common in, in in other places. Have you experienced that too? Oh yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the kettle culture, if you will. I think one, it's like a, a lot of people in any country, it's the act of doing. And that's where that whole kettle thing comes from, where it takes time. In theory, it may even slow you down a tad bit because you're actually heating up the water as opposed to putting it on 40 seconds and then it's done. So it sort of slows things down and you become more deliberate and if possible, maybe even more relaxed as you're sipping that hot beverage. So mm -hmm. yeah, I find that really nice in many cultures about the, the kettle. On the other hand, I don't know when I use the kettle. I can't even, I honestly don't remember the last time I've used a kettle to heat up hot water. Fortunately, my spouse, that's a different story. She's all into that whole kettle thing. And I do find it interesting yeah. because it truly is a relaxing form. It's sort of nice, right? It, it really is. So uh, what's with the whole trash situation here, uh, Ken? You know, I haven't, exper I, I haven't experienced this one. I was hoping you would explain this one to me. I do notice that uh, in many cities, major cities in the U.S., you have trash receptacles. You know, I mean, right on the street and yeah, outside the mall. Yeah, yeah, on every corner, literally almost, almost not every single, but often enough where, you know, you're not walking around with trash in your hands, but it is true. Um, there are many cultures that don't have that. Well, that trash receptacle on many public places. And if you're going to snack on that, 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 that candy bar, you might as well get used to putting that wrapper inside your pocket until you come to such places. But I, a lot of foreigners, I imagine in some cases, uh, they're rather pleased that if you do go to a place, you can just eat that, whatever it is, and hopefully find a receptacle. On the other hand, there's another side of that coin. In many cultures, you know, the idea of walking around snacking on a dog, a hot, I mean, sorry, listeners, we don't mean snacking on Fido, the dog in the street. We're talking about snacking on a hot dog. Well, you know, the rapper, yeah. many cultures, you don't sort of eat while you're walking down the street and stuff. So maybe it's not so important in some cultures to have that receptacle because people aren't really doing much of that. But it is sort of a thing we do in America, coffee, this, maybe a snack, mm -hmm. eating sort of on the go. So those yeah. receptacles 
That's really important stuff, man. It's uh, it's great. So what do you got next up on the list? It looks like it might be the last one. Yeah. So, Stu, this is one that, you know, we do have to be careful about, you know, anytime you travel to another country or when someone comes to the U.S. is understanding how tipping work works. Because everywhere I've been, you know, there's always different sort of standards on tipping. Uh, there are some countries where you don't tip at all. You could insult someone if you leave a tip. Uh, however, you know, here in the U.S., the standard is generally, you know, if you like your service, you leave 15 or 20 percent or more if it was great. Um, and that's something that someone visiting our country would want to understand before coming here. And I can tell you, Stu, I had a really awkward experience once when I had been living, you know, in another part of the world where they didn't tip at all for a couple of years. And I came back home, went to a restaurant, and I just forgot to tip, you know, I put the, you know, swipe the credit card, sign the thing, left, and then realized, luckily I realized, you know, when I was at the car, like, wait a minute, I didn't actually leave a tip because I got so used to not tipping. So I ran back yeah. in and apologized and, and, and left a tip. But, you know, it's something that, you know, we, it isn't standard or uniform around the world. You know, some places don't, you don't tip at all. And it's an insult. I've been in a, I was in a country, um, in Asia where uh, a group of us from work went out to lunch and we just automatically left more than included a tip. And we we're walking down the street and the, the waitress came running after us and put the money down in front of us and was like, Nope, wow. we don't do that here. Um, wow. Other places I've been to, it's only 10%, you know, you generally have 10% or less and it's like a little extra, but it's not as much as we would leave here. So yeah, I could see, you know, someone, someone traveling here, you know, would hopefully know that before coming here to avoid some awkward situations where, you know, it is expected to tip here. And, and if you don't, you know, that's a pretty significant statement. Um, if you don't tip here in the U S um, so, so yeah, that's definitely something that, you know, a, a visitor would want to understand is, a, you know, a sort of standards for, for tipping, you know, 15, 20%. Well, indeed, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think a lot of visitors that come to the United States, they probably are not aware that our tip system is part of being compensated here in the United States yeah. for restaurant workers. And, and without that tip, oftentimes it's not going to be a living wage. If I can use those in air quotes, mm -hmm. it won't be a living wage. Whereas in some cultures, yeah. in some cultures, a waiter, he's actually paid a living wage. So why would you tip them right. to do what they get paid to do? Whereas here, well, if you don't tip them, uh, it's not going to help them get to that living wage benchmark. And so that's how I've had to yeah. explain it to my, uh, my colleagues, right. especially when they come here and they go, I can't believe it, man. I'm tipping everywhere. And I said, I understand it, but it is mm -hmm. um, our culture, at least for the time being, until there's something else that's better that comes along. Ken, let me tell you, this has been a wonderful time uh, chatting with you and and i appreciate you being my co-host today it's just wonderful seeing you and um by the way i did have yeah. one question for our listeners here ken we talked about before we end we talked about accents now uh, you're hispanic american and uh do you ever uh, have been asked when you're traveling they go oh Chavez is, is, what is that? Is that Hispanic? Is that Mexican? And by the way, where's your accent? Have you ever had that happen? Oh yes, that, that definitely happens. And, you know, because I grew up on the U S uh, Mexico border, um, and I have served in different parts of Mexico and Central America. Um, when I speak Spanish, um, someone I've, I've been told that, you know, I don't have a very clear 
accent when I when I speak Spanish, and I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to do that here. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been told like I'll, you know, I'll be speaking to a native Spanish speaker, and they'll just pause and and just try to place like where did you learn to speak Spanish or, or, or you know because I because I I feel like over the years I've you know, absorb you know, different words or different phrasings or different ways to say things, and they kind of all get mixed together. Um, so I don't hear when I speak Spanish, I don't hear any kind of distinct sort of ac accent. But but I've been told I've been told you know when speaking to someone else that you know they'll ha they'll be have this puzzled look and like well you kind of sound like you're from you know you learned here or you spoke there. But but it is you know it is, but I've you know I've been in a few different Spanish speaking places, and so it's 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 a mix of different things. Oh, indeed. You're absolutely right. It's like you and you and uh, me and so many other native English speakers. It's um, uh, when you mm -hmm. go to Ireland, because uh, I've traveled there and gone to uh, Britain and different kinds of places where English is the national language. And um, and it's true. Uh, the yeah. accents are different uh, depending on who you're talking to. Well, Ken, again, welcome. And mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate that. And for all the listeners, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of humor as we uh, bantered uh, back and forth ken chavez and myself and i look forward to having back on the show at some point in the future in the meantime ken you take care okay buddy hey thanks so much Stu. this was great it was a lot of fun it was nice to kind of take a step back and reflect on our our travels and our adventures and what we've learned and differences between countries and cultures uh, it was a lot of fun thank you so much and hope to hope to do this again great take care my friend take care Thank you for listening to today's episode. As always, you can listen and subscribe to It's Not All Bad wherever you download your podcasts.